NHR Features. So I am uh, really thrilled to have uh, an old friend of NHR uh, on the line now. Chris, by the way, who uh, was on the the media team at Trent Bridge for a number of years and also joined um, in many forest commentaries uh, back in the day with NHR. Chris, how are you doing? I'm really well, thanks, Rajiv. And um, yeah, I, I look back fondly on my memories of, uh, of blagging my way into the city ground um, <laughs> and uh, and spending time with you and, uh, and the great work that, that you did and continue to do at Nottingham Hospital Radio. Now, you've uh, got quite a story uh, f- from the last few years. You are in Australia. You're in uh, Sydney. Uh, just give us a little overview of uh, what you do right now. First of all, let me apologise for my horrible accent that I've apparently picked up over the last oh, I was seven ask you years about in Australia. <laughs> you say mate um, more than yeah, ever. I, 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 can't, I can't do it on request, but we have quite a lot of English cricketers over with us at the moment, and they are um, they give me quite a bit of stick for it. <laughs> um, but yeah, my, my role uh, is as I'm the general manager of customer experience at Cricket New South Wales, and they're the state cricket association here in New South Wales, the, the biggest state in Australia, and my role is um, is responsible for the delivery of the Women's Big Bash League and the, and the Big Bash League for the, the Sydney Thunder and, and the Sydney Sixers. So, yeah, pre- pretty exciting. And, uh, yes, started off in the media team at Trembridge, came over to, to Sydney Thunder and worked in the media team there. And then I was recently the, the general manager of the Sydney Thunder, and now I'm now I'm across both both the teams here in Sydney. Now, uh, the, the final of the WBBL uh, has taken place just, just recently. Tell us a bit about women's cricket in Australia and about that uh, event in particular. Yeah, it was a fantastic event over in, over in Perth. 15,500 people um, went up to the stadium. Uh, TV audience uh, was just over, over half a million people. Um, put that in comparison, uh, an A-League game here would get between you know, 40 and 60,000 sometimes on TV um, and the AFL and NRL, which are the two biggest winter sports, would get about half a million. So it was a huge TV audience and that really is because the women's cricket product is absolutely fantastic and uh, women, all of women's sport in Australia is absolutely flying at the moment, which is fantastic. But the WBBL really has led the way over the last seven years and um, really seeing the professionalisation of women's sport um, flow onto other, other sports codes as well, and it's um, it's great to see the best female athletes from all over the world taking taking part in our women's big bash league. And you, I guess, you'd have followed uh, the the goings on in the British summer of of the hundred, and and obviously the, the women's games were uh, on on the same day as as the men's and. Uh, that works so well. So I think that you know, just the sport from from grassroots level for the you know girls and women coming through is 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 doing really great here as well. Uh, but Australia, I think, have, have probably led the way. Would you say? Well, my, my my job really is to inspire boys and girls to pick up a cricket bat, and the big bash and the women's big bash are are aimed at kids between um, five and twelve years old and their mums. And um, it's great to see the hundred that have focused in on a, on a, on a similar sort of demographic as well. Uh, the, the women's big bash started off similar to the hundred, where the WBBL games were played before the, the big bash games, uh, and then um, last year was the first year 
that the women's comp was moved so it's played in its own window and it sits right between the end of the winter sports which over here is AFL and and NRL mm-hmm. and the start of the uh, of the men's big bash league and it's, it has complete um complete air as far as TV goes and, and the media landscape and it's it's making heroes out of out of female athletes uh, some of them are sk- still at school and have fantastic stories and some of them this is um you know a, a journey they've been on for for more than a decade and now they're playing on free to air TV on on Saturday nights in front of thousands of people and it's um it's fantastic and you've got a big weekend coming up haven't you in terms of uh, the the actual is it the bbl that's starting yeah the big bash starts on sunday and the opening game of the competition will be the the sydney Sixers against the melbourne stars at the scg um we didn't apart from the final we didn't have any big bash in sydney last year because of uh, of covid and then on on monday the sydney funder take uh, take the centre stage when they play down in Canberra and we, we play two games a year down in Canberra and uh, yeah, re- really looking forward to uh, to getting back to Canberra we we actually played 15 games in Canberra last year because um, borders were open to the ACT and not, not to Sydney It's a hospital radio so it would be remiss of me not to ask you a medical related question Chris um, Doctor, <laughs> Doctor by the way they call him in Sydney um, Covid then, how you know, generally in Australia, how are things and how is the situation as regards attending sports fixtures? We're incredibly fortunate and uh, have been incredibly lucky that um, that COVID really hasn't impacted us anywhere near to the level of, of other countries. So the, the borders were closed very early on, um, international borders. And then because, because Australia is sort of a, a, federated, a federation, all of the states have their own premiers. And so, I mean, even today, uh, the majority of state borders are closed. So I, I can't get on a plane and, and go to Perth, for mm. example, without doing a, a two-week hotel quarantine. So what that meant is that there's a lot, there's not a lot of COVID in the community. Um, I think there was only 200 cases, for example, today in uh, in New South Wales, where I think Tasmania has had one case in 400 days. So very different to, to Europe and, and the rest of the world. So that's that's meant that attending sport has sort of carried on pretty pretty similar to, to before. But the problem is actually the logistics of playing a sports league where you have to cross borders to, to play the opposition. And that's meant a lot of leagues have had to relocate and play all their games in, in one market, which, um, for example, our, our WBBL teams were on the road for, um, for nearly eight weeks, and that included two weeks in the hotel quarantine at the start. So a huge amount of sacrifice from the athletes to, to keep on playing. Now, um, not my job really to get particularly political, but I know in some parts of the world, when you have states, then uh, there's there's not always a perfect uh, synergy between uh, different uh, regions. But um, is everyone kind of on board? Uh, you know, same mindset across the country? Not exactly, and this is where it gets interesting um, and, and challenging, really. So there's there's probably they, the states fall into two two sort of groups: those that are slowly starting to cautiously open up and are keen to find a way to learn to live with a small amount of COVID in the community, um, and then there's some states who have never had COVID. And they don't want it now, and I, you know, I, I can def- definitely see both sides of that argument. 
Um, we're at an incredibly high vaccination rate, um, which is is really encouraging. We're probably a little a little late to to get the show on the road when it comes to vaccinations, but um, I think Australia. I, I know that um, the ACT, for example, which is a very small state, has has one of the highest double vaccination rates in the world. New, New South Wales has um, a, a similarly high rate. Um, I think over 16s, it's uh, it's it's about 92 percent of uh, double jabbed. So really encouraging, and that means that we can we can try and learn how how to navigate the future. Well, could be a model for uh, many places. Um, obviously, we're on the uh, on on the cusp of the ashes. Is there is there a buzz in the air? Tell us about what the what the feeling is. There's definitely a lot of talk about the ashes. You can't really explain what cricket means to Australia. Um, unless you've really experienced it, it's, it's part of the culture. The Australian national team is older than the Commonwealth of Australia. It's part of the DNA. They often refer to the Australian, the cap, the captain of the Australian men's team, as the most important job in the country. And I think I, I saw in one of the papers today there was a 32-page lift out for the Ashes. Um, it's it's front and back page news, and. Um, while the while the weather probably doesn't look like summer here at the moment, it's uh, yeah everyone's pretty excited about the start of the, the the biggest sporting competition in the country. Obviously, the T Twenty team, the Australian T Twenty team, have just uh, lifted the World Cup for the first time. I'm certain that was a a huge uh, lift for everybody. But um, what about that that connection between the the passion, the growing passion for T Twenty, maybe with a younger audience? And that transition into Test cricket. Are you saying that Test cricket is still king in Australia? Yeah, fre- frequently there'll be you know, more than a million people watching Test cricket a day. Um, it's the it's the crown and the jewel of, of Channel 7's sport. Um, it's on you know, it's on free to air. Um, it does, yeah, fantastic coverage. Uh, it's also simulcast on on subscription TV on on Fox, and there's plenty of familiar faces from the UK uh, uh, working in front of the camera um, on it. But yeah, it's it's a really it's it's really a focal point of the summer, and the Big Bash has done a fantastic job in getting boys and girls to to pick up a cricket bat and and fall in love with the game, and and that. For many, will we'll translate into a connection with the the Australian men's and women's national teams. Australia clearly in a in a difficult moment in terms of their captaincy. Um, leaving aside the the story behind the departure of Tim Payne, um, you know from memory you know Pat Cummins pretty well. Can you tell us something about him? <laughs> yeah, Pat Pat has played for for Sydney Thunder for uh, for a few seasons. He plays for New South Wales as well. He is he's a, he's a really good guy. He's the sort of you often hear him described as the sort of guy that you would like to date your daughter. He's uh, just a, a really charming, well articulated young man, um, fantastic cricketer. I'm sure we can all, all appreciate that. And sure. uh, yeah, really happy to see him get the the opportunity to to be the captain of the of the men's national side. It's unusual. Uh, I think it's always been unusual to have a fast bowler as, as a Test match captain. It's, it's a very kind of rare thing. What What are the qualities um, that, that Pat Cummins has? And, and obviously, you, you know him. So, um, how, how do you think he'll fare as a captain in that role? Well, I think he's been vice captain for a long time, and he's in, incredibly well respected. Um, 
by the public and by the media and, and, and no doubt by by the players as well. Um, on the field, he's a, he's a he's a great competitor. He's he's sort of everything that Aussies love about about their about their athletes. And um, yeah, I, I wish him, wish him all, all the success. I think it's a great opportunity. There's a lot of talk here about the fact that a bowler is is going to be the captain, but I uh, I think that will be sort of dispelled over over the next few weeks. Uh, and uh, just between you and me, has he got any weaknesses? <laughs> if he has, he, he's never he never showed them when he was wearing the green thunder shirt. So who knows? <laughs> you can't blame me for trying. Can't blame me for trying. Um, one of the dynamics that's, that's emerged in, in recent years, with going back to T Twenty a little bit, is that there are so many. Well, so many. There are a number of. Uh, global franchises now aren't they where it's it, it seems a bit like a global village and so players from all over the world are are mingling getting to know each other and and kind of buddy up and sort of you know there are a lot of friendships that are developed maybe more than in in the days when you know you played against another nation and that was the only time you you came across them do, do you imagine that there'd be less focus on things like sledging now or is, is the banter in inverted commas, as as sort of fierce, and are you expecting um, some confrontations there? Maybe I think the Ashes is a is a sort of story of its own, and I think yeah, a lot of these guys will be teammates playing in in the IPL, the Caribbean Premier League, the Pakistan Super League, and, and the Big Bash. But I think when you when you put on an England jersey or, a, or an Aussie jersey, uh, everything changes, and they'll be doing everything they can to both teams to to win the series. Yeah, I'm absolutely sure of that. Um, so, in your when you're not uh, doing uh, what you do for your job, um, can you share a bit about your time away from from that? What what sort of things do you, do you enjoy doing uh, in Sydney? Well, one of my favourite things to do in Sydney, Rajiv, is I'm a proud member of the Nottingham Forest Sydney Supporters Club, <laughs> who uh, who meet up regularly when there's a, a TV game at a at a decent hour, and um, yeah, got got a lot of friends. Uh, in that group, who uh, majority of them are, are from Nottingham originally, but there's a, there's a few Aussies as well that have sort of just grown up here as a, as a Forest fan, and for me that's a really good connection home. And um, yeah, it's a, a, a small a small group of uh, Forest fans a long way from home. There's there's some other far bigger supporter groups than the, than, than the Reds, but you know I, I love catching up with them. And outside of that, it's a fantastic, fantastic city to, to live in. It's a great country to, to be fortunate enough to, to spend time in. And um, I've also been lucky enough to, to travel quite a bit with work around the country before before COVID. Mm-hmm. And uh, every every state is so different. Every city is so different, whether it's the, the rainforests of North Queensland or the, the, the outback of Northern Territory or the sort of hustle and bustle of Melbourne and Sydney. It's uh, it's a really unique part of the world that's um, yeah a, a great experience. It's a place I've not had the pleasure of going to, but it does uh, sound like a, an experience of a lifetime, really. Um, the, the forest thing wasn't scripted, but it was actually going to segue into <laughs> my question about uh, what have you made of the Reds in recent times and, and how do you feel uh, that Steve Cooper's doing? I actually watch more Forest games in Sydney than I ever did in, in Nottingham because we have the opportunity to um, uh, through the through the sort of the Forest website to, to subscribe and watch the games live and, yeah. and all the games that are on um, sort of Sky TV are then shown over here on a, on a broadcaster as well. So I watch a lot of games, albeit a lot of them at three AM or um, or six AM, and uh, yeah, absolutely loving the 
the sort of turn of events over the last few months since the the sort of season before and um, the attacking flair of Forest and just this never never say die attitude and yeah I'm, I'm I'm loving it it was it was a tough year to watch the sort of more defensive style of Forest with no crowds in the ground mm. but um, yeah it'd be good to see maybe a little bit of business in, in January and uh, it'd be good to see them hopefully kick up kick up the league a bit. Oh, if you're watching all the games, we might be able to uh, just latch on to you and get the odd uh, regular <laughs> Botherway report, you know, um, Botherway on the Reds or something like that. We'll we'll figure out a title for I'm, it. But... I'm not sure how cohesive I am at uh, <laughs> four in the morning when some of the games end, but it's uh, it, it, it's great to be out of it to still watch them. And, um, and yeah, and you bump into Forest fans at the most random places uh, so far away from home as well, which is, is one of the great things about sport. Um, Chris, it's been an absolute pleasure. You know we are uh, a, uh, a hospital radio and uh, we love a bit of music as well. Um, you might have anticipated it, but I'm going to ask the question. Do you have a dedication we can offer from uh, from you all the way from Sydney? Well, I've been really enjoying the Beatles documentary on Disney Plus and I would recommend that to, to anyone. So uh, yeah, I did think you might ask me that. So Get Back by the, the Beatles would be my choice. <laughs> Fantastic, and I saw the. I, I haven't seen much of it yet. I did see the clip where Paul is just kind of strumming, and suddenly "Get Back" emerges there and then, and it, it's it's just it's just fantastic, it's, isn't it? It's like watching history in front of you, yeah. and um, the fact that the quality of the of the film is amazing, and then just to watch them um, sort of conceive that amazing song just from humming and, 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 and strumming on a guitar, it, it just shows their genius. Absolutely. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for your time and uh, all the best with this weekend and with the rest of all of uh, what you're doing. Do stay in touch with the NHR and uh, catch up soon. Thanks and, and keep up the great work. Creating and rekindling memories. NHR.